when my uh, kids were born, and I held them in my arms for the first time, it was amazing the sense of love that I had. I don't know that I could really completely describe it to you. Uh, and I'm an imperfect father, but, uh, you know, it, it struck me shortly after Megan was born, I began to think about this, and it struck me that God chose to describe himself with the name Father. That just as I loved my kids, and, and, there, was a, and, and there was a heart of love for them, so God has a heart of love for you and me. Uh, we need to understand God's love for us. Uh, we need to understand His grace because God has done some amazing things for us. And God, through His great grace, sent His Son so that we could be saved. Through His grace, He supplies the needs that we have uh, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, he, he gives us the support that we need. God is good. Uh, and God loves us. I think understanding God's love for you is an important thing in the Christian walk. Uh, because God, through His love, gives us everything that we have. And when we understand that His love is unconditional love, it, it changes the way we live. So, um, here in this scripture, we're going to see the story of Abraham Offering Isaac, uh, and, and this is probably a story that's familiar to, to many of you. Uh, we're going to talk about the story, but I'm not going to focus so much on, on Abraham as I am on how this gives us a picture of God's heart of love for us, uh, because I think you see some amazing parallels. Jesus said, uh, these things in the Old Testament, these things speak of me. Uh, there is there's a message there in the Old Testament that looks forward to the time when Jesus would come. <coughs> Abraham woke up one morning, and God told him, Abraham, I want you to go to the land of Moriah, and I want you to offer your son Isaac there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will tell you of. And so Abraham agrees to do this, and he, he, he gets up, and he goes, and he begins to prepare. Uh, he, and, and I'm sure as he's doing this, his heart is just heavy. It's, it's, it's burdened down. Uh, Hebrews tells us that he believed that God could raise his son from the dead if necessary, that God could do that because God's that kind of God. But even so, it's your son. Uh, and, and Abraham was making preparations for this, and so he goes out, and he chops the wood for the offering. He, he gets two of his servants to come along with him, and he, he binds up the donkey and puts the, puts the uh, equipment on the donkey's back, uh, and then he calls for his son Isaac, and they begin a three-day journey uh, to the land of Moriah. And finally, Abraham in the distance sees the mountain, ahead of them, and God tells him, that's the one I want you to go to. And so he tells his servants and one of the, and the donkey to stay behind, and he and Isaac begin to go up uh, toward the mountain where the sacrifice is to take place. And, and Isaac's carrying the pot with the, with the fire and the, and the wood and, and so forth, and, and, they're, and they're all, they're, they've got everything they need except for the lamb. 
Isaac had seen his father do many burnt offerings, but there was no lamb. He said, Father, here's the wood, here's all the equipment, where's the lamb? And he says, the Lord will see to it. God himself will provide a lamb. There's one way you could translate it, but the Lord himself, literally, the Lord himself will see to it. And so they walk on, and Isaac is kind of, I think, putting two and two together because uh, Abraham's answer was, was kind of ambiguous. He says, well, the, the Lord will see to him. It could be, or, you know, it's kind of ambiguous. And so Isaac's probably putting two and two together, and he's going along willingly, and Abraham ties him up. Now, you need to understand something. Abraham's well over 100 years old. Uh, he is not a spring chicken. Uh, Isaac is probably a teenager at this time. So Isaac could have fought him off had he, had he chose to do so, but Isaac willingly cooperated with the process. Abraham ties him, puts him on top of the wood, and he raises his knife to plunge it into his son. Put yourself in that position there for just a moment. And imagine that rather than Isaac, it was your son or your daughter laying there upon the altar and the knife is raised. How would you feel? Would your heart be broken? Would you be uh, filled with anxiety and, and, and concern and, and heartbreak over the fact that your child was about to leave this world. This was Abraham's heart, but as he raised the knife, the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ said, Wait, Abraham, don't do anything to him. Now I know that your heart uh, is fully surrendered to me. And Abraham responds and says, Look, this is... This is uh, the Lord who sees me. A lot of English translation says the Lord will provide, but it literally says the Lord will see. The Lord will see. God saw Abraham's struggle. He saw uh, what was going on. He saw their need. And he ends up uh, supplying a substitute for Isaac, a, a ram that was caught in the thicket. And Abraham offers the ram instead of, in place of, Isaac. Let's look at this scripture here for just a moment. I believe that God wants us to respond with worship and trust in Him as we see His heart of love for us. Look at verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Why didn't God just say, take your son? He's emphasizing something here. We'll come back to it. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So early in the morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for the burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, and we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand he took the fire and the sacrificial knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father? 
He replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. The two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay on the boy, uh, a hand on the boy, or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering, and this, these words are important, in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide, or the Lord sees. So today it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring, or your seed, will possess the gates of their enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring, because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men, and they got up and went together to Beersheba. So Abraham settled in Beersheba. The title of my message is The Demonstration of God's Heart. How does God show us a demonstration of his heart here? He does it in three ways. He shows us, first of all, his struggle. He shows us his struggle. Now, you, you need to understand something. God hated child sacrifice. He told Moses, and it was part of the law later on for the Israelites, you will not offer your son or daughter in the fire. God hates child sacrifice, but God chose to ask this of Abraham. Uh, so, as Abraham begins the preparations for his son, think about this. There is, there's a, a day of preparation, getting the things together, and then a three-day journey. And all of this, this struggle going on in Abraham's heart and life. It, maybe you've been through a struggle like that. Maybe you had a loved one in the hospital laying there, and you didn't know whether or not they were going to make it. And you were going through an emotional struggle in your heart as you, as you saw the things that were taking place. Uh, this is what Abraham felt. But this is also what God felt. Did you know the Bible says that Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world? Jesus, long before God ever said, let there be light, God had planned to offer his son as a sacrifice in place of you and me. Did you ever think about this? God created the world in which his son would die. God created the Roman soldiers who would drive the spikes through Jesus' hands. God created the Jewish leadership that would falsely try him and send him to his death. He created the man who, who covered his son's back with stripes. God created the tree, the wood upon which Jesus would be crucified. 
He created the spikes that were driven into his hands and the thorns that were placed upon his brow. God did all of this knowing ultimately these things would be the instruments used to kill his own son. The struggle of God. Why, why is this story in the Bible? Why did God ask Abraham to do this? Yes, God was testing Abraham, and there were some things going on in Abraham's life God wanted to accomplish, uh, and God wanted to bless Abraham, but there was more to it than that. God wanted to open up our eyes to his heart. That just as Abraham struggled to offer his son, so God struggled and was in deep pain to offer his son. As you read through this scripture, you, you see several things repeated. First of all, you see the word together repeated. Abra Abraham and Isaac went on together. Abraham and Isaac went on together. Uh, they went together. They went together. There's this, there's this emphasis on the fact that there is a relationship there between Abraham and Isaac, and there's a relationship between God the Father and God the Son. In eternity past, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were eterna, eternally in fellowship. One God, three persons. For eternity. And for eternity into the future, since the time that Christ paid the sacrifice, they will always be in fellowship. But... God had his fellowship with the son broken that day when he bore your sin and bore mine. He also emphasizes something else. I, I mentioned to you as you read the this, this scripture here, he says, take your son, verse 2, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. It would almost seem these words would be cruel, but Abraham was the friend of God. Abraham looked at it through knowing God's love and he trusted him in the middle of it. But God is saying, these, well, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice. Your only son. And this is repeated throughout the, the scripture. Your only son, whom you love. Your only son. Your only son. For God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. God was giving us a picture. Of his heart. My son. Who I love. Who is precious to me. Who I have been in relationship with. I am giving you the best I have. He shows us. His heart demonstrates his heart through his struggle, through his struggle. The cross accomplished salvation for you and me so that we could receive salvation freely as a gift from God. But let me tell you something, our salvation is not free. Jesus had to pay an awful price on the cross. He willingly did it, just like Isaac willingly went with Abraham. Jesus willing, he said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. God the Father, God the Son had the same purpose, the same heart. Uh, but 
but it, it cost Jesus greatly. He had to bear the wrath of God upon himself. He had to take the penalty for all sins, for all humanity, for all time, upon himself on the cross and be alienated from his father. But it was also hard for the father. It cost him greatly. It cost him. Uh, as he, as he uh, for 2,000 years, it wasn't just three days for the father. 2,000 years after the time of Abraham, and of course, if you look back at eternity back, God knew that the day would come when his son would have to be offered in our place. There was a great pain in the father's heart. Now, listen to this. Isaiah 53 says, it pleased him to crush him. God was pleased to crush Jesus. Did that mean that God lightheartedly did it? No. God had great struggle in his heart, great pain in his heart as he sent his son. But what it means is God loved you and he loved me so much that the son that he desperately loved, he gave for you and for me. And he crushed him with his wrath and his judgment. And the justice that you and I deserve for our sins was placed upon Jesus. It pleased the Father to do that, not because he didn't love his son, but because he loved you and me. That's love. I don't understand that kind of love. I can't really fathom it, but I am so grateful for it. So God demonstrates his heart to us, firstly, through his struggle. Secondly, he demonstrates his heart to us through his son. Look at verse 9. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. As Abraham tied up the hands of his son, I imagine he saw fear in his eyes. Maybe a tear began to roll down his cheek. He thought, this is my son. This is the son of promise. And then, with a heavy heart, he places the most precious thing in his life upon the altar. And he begins to raise the knife. The difference when God the Father did that for us was that the knife actually fell. God shows us in, in Abraham and Isaac's experience the fact that we are delivered through Jesus because the ram also represents Jesus. The ram that was sacrificed in place of Isaac shows us that because of the sacrifice Jesus paid on the cross in taking our sins, that my sin is settled and I'm able to go free. I deserve to be on the cross. I deserve to have the eternal wrath of God placed upon me in hell. I deserved it, but I didn't get it. Why? Jesus took it for me. He was the ram of substitution. God gave his son as my substitute. But Jesus is also pictured in Isaac uh, in the sense that Isaac would have been dead 
but now he's alive. Um, Isaac is a picture of the resurrection. And Hebrews says, the book of Hebrews in Scripture says that Abraham believed that God could raise his son Isaac from the dead if necessary. So there's also a life from death situation here that, that looks forward to the time when Jesus would be killed upon the cross. And I want to tell you, the Roman soldiers put the nails in Jesus' hands and the crown of thorns upon his head and beat him with a cat of nine tails whip. But that was not the main thing that happened on the cross. On the cross, God the Father himself plunged the knife into his son. God poured out his wrath and carried out his justice upon his son. And Jesus said these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The fellowship was broken between God the Father and God the Son as the Father poured out his wrath upon his Son. Why? So you and I could have fellowship with God. Jesus said the words, it is finished, and the veil of the temple ripped in two, showing that we have access now. Through Jesus to a relationship with God. God gave his son. Some of you may be going through trouble or trial in your life right now. And you're not sure exactly why you're going through it. Uh, You're perplexed. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're depressed. But you're looking at the circumstances of life and say, Lord, I don't understand why you would allow me to go through this struggle in my life. Can I tell you something? Whenever you sense that feeling in your heart, you need to look to the cross. Look to the cross. In our, in our trials, we begin to, to, to lose sight of the fact that God loves us. Because we know that everything that comes in our life has to come. If you're a child of God, it has to come through His hand. Uh, God allows it for His purpose. But... When you look to the cross and you see the son that God offered for us, for you and for me, it puts things into perspective. God loves you. If you had been the only person to walk this earth, God would have sent his son for you. Is that not a great thought? God demonstrates his heart through his son. So he demonstrates it through his struggle. He demonstrates it through his son. And thirdly, he demonstrates it through his compassion. Through his compassion. Verse 14 says, And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide, or the Lord will see to it. There's another way you could, the Lord will see to it. God, God will see to it. God saw Abraham's situation. He saw uh, the pain in Abraham's heart, but he also saw Isaac's situation. Isaac's about to be killed. He saw their situation, and he loved them, and he had compassion on them, and he provided a substitute. Does that sound familiar? Can I tell you something? God saw you before you were ever born. And through the ages, God looked forward, and he said, I I see you, and I see you, and I see you, and I see you. And he said, I Have compassion on you. Yes, you've sinned against me. Yes, you've rebelled against me. Yes, you don't deserve my love. But I love you, and I have compassion on you. And I am going to show that compassion 
by seeing to it that your sin is paid for. Your debt is canceled. Your hell was received by Christ. I will see to it. I will give you a way that you can enter a relationship with God and have eternal life. That's God's heart. It's a heart of compassion. When you look at the cross, you see his compassion for us. We were in sin, and, and we are sinners. And the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. We were helpless and hopeless without Christ. We had no way to get to heaven without him. We were helpless. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We had no way. The best that we could do would never be good enough. So God saw us in our helpless situation and said, I have compassion on my people. And he sent his son. He shows his compassion. And of course, as he saw our need, he provided for the need through Jesus. The Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. And so it, today it is said, verse 14 says, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Literally, it will be seen. Now, the implication is that God's going to provide something through, seeing, uh, through what is seen, but, but it will be seen, or you could say he will be seen on the Lord's mountain. How did God show his compassion to us? He says, well, you're going to see my compassion displayed on the mountain. Now, uh, fast forward uh, a few generations to the time when the, the temple was built and so forth. Where was the temple built? Mount Moriah. Hmm, isn't that interesting? And on Mount Moriah, they offered many sacrifices that were also pictures of Jesus Christ. And as they offered those sacrifices, they were a picture of the compassion that God was going to bring. Now, this text here doesn't tell us what mountain Abraham went to. So God says, I'll show you which mountain when you get there. And so Abraham went. But I believe Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, it's one of the three hills of which Jerusalem sits, uh, was meant to be a picture of Jesus who was to come. But Jesus died on a different mountain. He died, died on Golgotha, the place of the skull. You can go online and Google it and see a picture of it. It does look like a skull. Uh, Jesus died on that mountain, just outside the city of Jerusalem. So God not only predicted the way that God would provide and show his compassion, but God predicted the place where it would happen. It would happen at the location of Moriah in Jerusalem. Jesus would give his heart. And his life for us. God showed his compassion. Isn't God amazing? God speaks of what he's going to do 2,000 years before Jesus ever came. He says, this is what I'm going to do. And let me tell you something. I've got a plan. Aren't you glad God has a plan? Sometimes we're in Washington, doesn't know what to do, right? Sometimes uh, we don't know what to do with our lives. But praise God. God has a plan of redemption. I want you to know, you need to, to worship and thank God. If you're a child of God, you need to worship Him for His great goodness to you. Incredible grace that He has shown to you. And you need to trust Him with your life. 
when you're in doubt, you don't understand, when you when you when you tempt, you need to trust him with your life. Follow him with your life. He is for you. That's what the cross says. He's for you. If you don't know Christ, then you need to receive Christ today. The Bible says that Jesus, he, this, this is the, the scripture verse from 2 Corinthians 5, um, chapter 5. It says, uh, Jesus, he who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's what Jesus did. So, what Jesus wants you to do today, if you don't know him, is to choose to surrender your heart to him, to follow him, to obey him. The Bible calls that repentance. And to put your trust in Jesus for your forgiveness. You can express that trust in a simple prayer uh, that uh, comes from your heart. Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that here in just a moment. Uh, but what the Bible says, if you will confess Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God's promise. Why? Because God loves you and he's provided a way through Jesus Christ. There's no plan B. You can't get there through another religion. I know that's not politically correct to say, but it's true. There's no plan B. God gave his best so that you could know forgiveness and eternal life. Will you respond to him? Father, thank you so much uh, for your word and for describing. It's given us a little glimpse into your heart so we can see the greatness of your love for us.